A very good day and welcome to episode 51 of the newly formed Plus One Player Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Manny, and as always, I'm here with Matt, and I'm here with Steve, and it is a wonderful day to record a show. How are you both? I'm doing very well, man. I'm very excited. This is a pretty cool day. It's a lot of work behind this, and it's cool to finally unveil it. You know, we've been we've been all these cryptic social media messages, so hey, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Matt, how okay, are you? I just want to talk about how I'm doing. He just asked you how you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm also excited. It's like we're new, but we're also very old at the same time. We're also the exact same thing. We're 51 years old, guys. Oh That's my gosh. <laughs> We've done one episode a year. Yeah, we're and 51 we in podcast years. It's yep, crazy. That's right. So for those of you who have been following us up to this point, we are no longer Ombre Gaming. So this is the very first episode of the newly formed Plus One Player podcast. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that actually means in the beginning of the show. Uh, but yeah, so all the cryptic social media messages, as Steve mentioned, all the the weird marketing things we've put out into the world, all of the last like four or five months has been really leading up to this very week. So we're going to get into it and we're going to talk a little bit about, again, what it actually means for us and what it means for your supporters and listeners, because it's very exciting. But before we even get to any of that, you still got to keep the house. So first up on housekeeping, please follow us on social media. We are at plus the number one player on Twitter and at plus the number one player on Instagram. Again, that's plus one as in like the number one, not spelled out player on Instagram and Twitter. So go ahead and follow us there. If you already follow us on those social media channels, you're still following us. We just changed our name. So don't worry about it. But if you're new here, go ahead and check us out on Twitter and Instagram for all of our latest pictures and all the latest things that we like to put out into the social media world. You can also find us at plusoneplayer.com, and that's plus the number one player.com. We have a brand new website. We've revamped everything. It looks fantastic. Big ups to Matt, our webmaster. Good work, Matt. Web wizard. He's the web mage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And if you love everything we're producing, and if you're excited about this new chapter, you can go ahead and support us at patreon.com slash plus one player, where every single dollar will go right back into the show, making us the very best gaming podcast we can possibly be. We have an amazing group of supporters that have helped us to get to this awesome, awesome time in our journey, and we would appreciate if you join that group of supporters, and you get some pretty cool things in return. And we have some exciting new things for our patrons as well. So go ahead and check it out. You can also find us everywhere podcasts are listened to. Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Pods, and all the other ones that you listen to. Player FM, uh, Pocket Cast, all the good ones. And you know what? All the bad ones too. The ones that you listen to were there. So go ahead and check us out. And if you like what you hear, let us know how we're doing. And you can do that by giving us a call at 347-509-5620. The phone number has not changed. So go ahead and ring us. We'll answer with a voicemail machine. There won't actually be a human on the other end. And if you want to be a part of our community, you can join our Discord server. And you can do that by going to the link in our Twitter bio. Because we have a great group in our Discord server talking about video games all day and all night. And I bet you want to join them because it's a great time. So go ahead and do that unless you're racist. And ladies and gentlemen, as always, this episode is brought to you by Nerdiest Brands. 
Nerdiest Brands is a fantastic website that brings you products from vendors and designers all over the world, no matter the nerdy fandom. So if you want to go grab some rad nerdy gear, head over to nerdiestbrands.com. That's N-E-R-D-I-O-U-S brands.com and buy some really cool nerdy gear. And of course, thank you to them for sponsoring the show. Let's get it started. Instead of playing a game, we're just going to have a chill conversation. Uh, and we're going to talk about sort of the meaning of all this. So this has been in the works for like half a year. We've been talking about rebranding for a really long time. And I think it, like I mentioned in, in the sort of reveal video, we found ourselves sort of asking for clarity, right? We were like, who is Ombra Gaming? And, and we did a lot of thinking about what our brand means and what, our, what we want our brand to be in the, in the longer term. And we kind of wanted to set ourselves up for future growth. And I think right now, the steps that we needed to take in the short term was sort of refining our brand and refining our identity and who we are and why we exist. So yeah, what do you guys think? So like, I have been talking this whole time, but Matt, to the people who have been listening to us up to you know 50 episodes, what would you sort of tell them was the inspiration of, of the changes that we made? Well, we did some thinking around what Ombra the name meant. And it doesn't mean much. It just means shadow in Italian. <laughs> it just sounded cool. It didn't mean anything. It, it made a good That's logo, the... though. Like, logo. I love the logo. Make, it did make a good logo. Although we did get some interesting feedback. Like when we first made that logo before going before publishing the website, people were like, "It looks like a power symbol, like a like an on button, or it looks like a pokeball." There was a few people who didn't know that was part of the logo, and they were like, "Okay, cool. What is MBRA Gaming?" <laughs> And I'm like, no, but, that's an O. Yeah, so we started thinking, well, my gosh, we went through so many sessions of thinking about different names that would capture our essence, our essential oils. Like, our our essential musk. Oils, our musk. Because we wanted to reflect basically that a lot of our community happens on Discord, it happens on Twitter, and you know, the website is a vehicle for that to happen or for people to find us. And... Our number one above all else is just like creating a welcoming community where people just talk about games and have like good discussions about games. And of course, we talk about other stuff too. But what brought us together is gaming. One thing too that makes us a little different is that like people are playing games together all the time with our community as the impetus for joining one another in those games, whether it's Overwatch or Quake, Champies, the Champs, or Destiny, or. And or anything else, like a lot of people have just used us as a way to start up those groups. So, yeah, that's where we started in terms of like name generation. And then after like a few sessions of brainstorming over like weeks, <laughs> didn't we have something else we were going to go with? And then we... Oh, man, we have so many, we have so many pinned messages. Names. In yeah, our, I was still, yeah, in our team I'm still Discord. pretty partial to hip to be square. I think that could have. I think that would have made a cool logo. I, I'm <laughs> very positive there's some kind of trademark on that phrase. I'm sure there is because it's a Huey Lewis song. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I would pay for the licensing so we could have that as the intro song. You're gonna shell out the several million dollars. I needed doubt it for costs millions. I feel like Huey's a pretty down to earth guy. Hey Huey, <laughs> let's call him up. Yeah, you pretty much nailed it. I think there's like a larger like the the smaller focus was like we are a community ombra means nothing it doesn't 
encapsulate anything it's not emblematic of anything that we represent which is like a group of people celebrating video games in all these different ways and so we wanted to reflect that celebration in our name and and our color scheme and our branding um and we did a ton of thinking about like branding and and how we wanted to what kinds of messages we wanted to sort of put out there and and how we wanted to frame ourselves in the larger sort of content creation space. Uh, Steve, do you have any thoughts? Is there anything that you wanted to touch on as well? I'm uh, just very excited that this is all kind of happening and finally taking shape because it has been a lot of work behind the scenes, but I think it gives us a big opportunity now to when we introduce ourselves and we say, oh, with Ombre Gaming, they're like, how do you spell that? <laughs> so yeah. now I feel like this Umbra? is going to be a nice easy way for people to get what we are just by hearing the name, which I think is something we kind of needed because like we've talked about multiple times, we're trying to do this in a very polluted space. And I don't say polluted in a negative way. I say polluted, like in the, saturated, in, in, saturated. There you go. It's yeah. a better word for it. Thank you. So we were trying to break into like an oversaturated market and we didn't do ourselves any favors by kind of making us this very ambiguous name. And it kind of came about because this, this all started very quickly. We're like, hey, we want to do this thing. And it's like, all right, let's make a website. Let's do a podcast. And then the name just kind of happened because, like we said, it sounded cool, made a really fun logo. Like, I, I still love the logo. The logo is great. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we were like, all right, let's just let it ride. Because at first, we had no idea that this was going to even get any interest. And so once it started picking up and once the community formed, I think that is what swayed us the most is because, we're like, all right, we've actually cultivated something here that's it's different it's unique and it's ours like you know i don't say that like it's us threes it's like it's the whole community it's like we share this and it gives us the chance to branch out a little bit too because like you said we talk about games all the time we're always playing games together but there's so many other conversations revolving around you know pop culture and different entertainment avenues and i think this gives us a chance to explore i guess new opportunities as a whole and gives us the chance to provide more content which is something we've always wanted to do and we just didn't know the right ways to do it so I'm glad that now that this is getting going, we can start putting those little pieces of the puzzle in place. And I think it's going to lead to something that not only we're all going to enjoy, but I really do think the community is going to enjoy it as well. For sure. And and we are going to introduce some new forms of content. Uh, and like I said in the video, better content, right? With a clear sense of identity and purpose. Like we know why we're here now more than ever. We know what drives us. We know what motivates us like on, on the inside. But we also have a pretty solid beat on like what our community enjoys. And, and we've had a lot of conversations around like what what do you want to see more of? What is working? What isn't? And we again, we wanted that to be reflected in our branding and our identity. We've been doing all of our regular stuff. Plus, on top of that, behind behind even that, then we've been doing all this work, too. Right. Which is, has been a lot from like we went through multiple artists coming coming up with logos we went through at least like three or four different versions of even the logo that you see now working with different color palettes testing different things on the website seeing what fonts worked um we like had such everything. a lengthy conversation on fonts i don't think we had like a meeting we had like a i don't think that should be overlooked <laughs> there was a long talk yeah about fonts um, people <laughs> i built a brand book like we talked about what the essence of our brand is like there, there has been so much work and thought and energy put essence into this of Umbra. essence of oils <laughs> oils is such a weird word and then we've also done like our own design work like kate has done stuff you've done yep. stuff i've done stuff yeah and making sure all of that is consistent and is mm -hmm. all like speaking the same language sort of across all of our different 
channels from Twitch to the website to the podcast, everything. Yeah, Christine's like editing articles right now. Yeah, to, like to as reflect, we speak. Like, yeah, literally as we speak. Yeah, we've got, we've gone back and we're changing old articles to not say Ombra anymore. Don't check right now. There might be still a few Ombras around. Just but... so people aren't confused not to delete Ombra from yeah, existence. Exactly. Um, it always has a special place in our hearts. And that's the thing. Like, It will always be such an important part of our story and sort of our journey as, as content creators. But it really was only the beginning. And I think it, it does. I think like we're doing ourselves a pretty big favor by recognizing that now is the time that we should sort of pivot and point ourselves in the direction where we can have more leverage and more power and more identity and more like a better idea of, of why we're doing what we're doing and who we are. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has literally been in the work for months. Like I remember sending Matt a DM in March and I was like, Hey, I'm already over Ombra. I want to change the name. <laughs> and oh, he was yeah. like, he was like, yeah, like it. eventually we yeah. have so much <laughs> yeah. to do. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, but I'm just letting you know now it's already in my head that we need to rebrand. And he's like, okay, dude, like how about we get some articles out, you know? <laughs> so it's been a ridiculous journey, especially the last like handful of weeks. And, and then we've we, had like a group meeting like every week to reset. Yeah. What we're yeah, doing yeah. and stuff. Yeah, we've had meetings that last like an hour to two hours just talking about like, all right, who needs to do what? Okay, cool. We got to take the website down at this point and lock it down, start the editing. We need to change our Patreon. We need to change uh, the stuff like on our podcast publisher. We need to make sure the changes get implemented with enough time for it to refresh and be you know live when we want it to be live. And, and, then, and then our normal lives like jobs and relationships and life and all that shit so it has been exhausting yeah what are you talking about dude (laughs) yeah or a lack of jobs so so yeah it's been like really really exhausting uh so apologies if we're like a little roasted at this point i feel like my brain is is shutting down from everything we've done in the last couple weeks but um, i don't even have a brain anymore but also, I think we should take a moment to like recognize how much work the team did. And, and a huge thank you to Christine and Kate and Matt O and you guys for like all the fucking hustle. Jesus, we put so much work into this and a lot of time. I'm a hustler. Last weekend was just all work. Like we worked on this. <laughs> and so like it, it's been it's been a lot. But we're really excited. We're happy. We're motivated, and now we have this sort of this new idea of who we are. And we are, and again, we're going to have some new content, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, I think I just said keep a knife out for that. Uh, yeah, so keep, keep an, an eye out, out for that. Keep a knife out. So, yeah, I'm just extremely proud of this new version of us. I'm extremely proud of, of the brand, of the identity. Uh, I'm, I'm, I feel very strongly about it. It's a cool new direction we're going, and, and I'm really excited to uh, have everybody along for the ride. So thanks for being here, everyone. Let's kick some ass. I didn't mention at the beginning of the show, the topic for today's podcast is music and gaming. So this is a conversation that I feel like we've sort of flirted with and we've touched on in a couple different episodes, but we haven't really gotten into what makes good video game music. So we're going to be talking about some of our favorite video game soundtracks, some of our favorite pieces of video gaming music, what made them so great, and maybe some of our least favorite as well. So again, thank you to everybody who's been like supporting us and having fun with us and being part of this journey. This is a new chapter we're really excited about, and we're happy that you're here with us. So let's do some cool shit. I concur. Do you concur, Matt? Uh, <laughs> I do not. <laughs> I don't know if I actually concur. <laughs> well, I don't like to concur on things, so <laughs> what I'll say is... <laughs> 
So let's keep it going. Let's get right into the topic of the pod, which again is music. So why don't we start with this? Uh, Matt, talk to us. What are some of your favorites or maybe just your ultimate favorite piece of video game music? I think we should close it out with our favorites. You think we should close it with our favorites? Okay. Let's let's work up to the favorite, you know? Okay. Let's climb the ladder. Well, then well, let's start with, let's start with this. Baseline baseline question, what makes good video game music for you, Matt? Well, as you may remember from the very first article I ever wrote for Ombre Gaming, I the artist it. formerly known as Ombre Gaming plus one player. Well, it depends on the type of game, but I think a great soundtrack can either make or break a game. And what's really cool is that you have a lot of famous composers going into like video game music, um, which I like very much. But I think it has to be atmospheric. So it has to add to the emotion that the game wants to draw out of the player. And you can do that a lot of different ways in music. But um, so I like music that sort of adds that sort of element to uh the game atmospheric element and then i think maybe where video game music isn't the best or could use some work or i don't connect with as much is um like battle music i feel like a lot of the times a lot of battle music is very generic even though there's like different themes orchestral pieces or like when you're like fighting someone or something like a lot of it can sound the same so those are normally not my favorite pieces of music in video games but mm. i love main themes like when you load up the game the first like music yeah. that pops out and you can just like sit there if you ever played halo you know mm-hmm. you just let that fucking menu screen run for as long as you want and have, have that seen, choir like, sing at you there's so many youtube videos of like these like, yeah, it's like halo opening dudes. like 12 hours oh no i was I gonna say there's like these like videos of like random dudes standing in echoey places and doing like the oh <laughs> yeah and, like, and it's so funny because like I, they're like oh fuck this is profound but like objectively they're just standing in a stairwell staring at each other singing yeah um which is pretty funny but yeah halo is actually really good yeah i guess atmospheric is sort of my number one like what does it add to the game experience yeah and i think a game that like goes out of its way to recognize different pieces of a game is really good in regards to like how it delivers you the music is really impactful like if you look at a game that has different stages throughout different worlds and each of those different stages is like a different setting right like i look at bloodborne for example bloodborne has like a really awesome aesthetic especially for like this time of year it's like very spooky very uh gothic um it has this lovecraftian horror kind of like sci-fi-esque thing going on but that's like pretty much every part of bloodborne right like every part of bloodborne is that aesthetic and so it's difficult to like change the music drastically within that like arena of atmosphere but then if you look at a game like dark souls 3 which you know made by the same folks i'm sure they i don't know if they had the same people making the music the same um orchestra but lots of different worlds lots of different settings and the music reflects those settings really accurately what about you, Steve? What's something that you look to as like an important piece of good video game music or an important element? I definitely agree with Matt on the fact that it needs to match how the game is playing and the story it's trying to tell. And I have a ton of examples that just 
uh, off the top of my head, like Journey, because that there's no words. It's just you floating through this world trying to get to this mountain. And the score is everything. It shows the moments where it's like peaceful and serene. And then as like you get closer and the, the score starts to ramp up, like you, you feel it because of the music and obviously the visuals that you're seeing. But that's a game that relies heavily on the score. So if you don't have, you know, a good soundtrack going in, it's not going to be as successful. Like if that music doesn't end up evoking the same emotions that the player should be feeling when you're making those steps and you're expanding your cape and you're meeting up with strangers in these games, then it it doesn't really work the same. In terms of the ones that kind of change throughout the game, obviously we've talked about Metal Gear a thousand times, but I can't get enough of that soundtrack. I have not heard of this game. What is this? Like, even when, like, Matt mentions when you bring up the loading screen, like, I remember Metal Gear Solid 1. It's not even, like, a big song. It's just, like, the do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Like, it's just, like, the little, almost, like, computer-style background going on. And then you hit the you hit the action button to start the game, and the, the gunshot goes off, and yep. the music goes silent. Oh, my God, it's absolutely perfect. And then going through, there's, like, this subtle undertone of music throughout the game, but then all of a sudden the alert goes off, and the music ramps up, and you're like, holy shit, I gotta move. Dun, dun, and so it dun, just... Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and everybody knows that song. And then I, I you pull out just the songs that he uses throughout. Like, Metal Gear Solid 3 had some of the most beautiful moments, and it's mostly because of the music that played throughout. Like, that whole bottle with the... The whole bottle. <laughs> the whole bottle with the, the bass. I drank the whole <laughs> bottle of it. The, the whole battle with the boss at the end. Yeah. It's perfectly accented by the music. <laughs> the whole bottle with the bass. <laughs> the bottle with the bass. <laughs> Yeah, it's just perfectly accented by the music that plays throughout. So you have to give Kojima credit for working with Norhiko Hibino. Oh, I yes. probably butchered that, so Hibiko. I'm sorry. But that's one of those soundtracks that will always stick out to me. And then, of course, Metal Gear Solid 4, that final fight where it's just cycling through all of the different music styles throughout the game. Like, it's just so perfect. And it's those moments that stick out to you the most because it's like, all right, these are pivotal moments in the game. Like, these are the memories I'm going to have. But it's not just the awesome fight scenes or it's not just the emotional story moments. You remember the score throughout those. And I think without, like, I think we talked about this. Was this one of the Would You Rathers was like, could never play a game with music or something like that? Probably. I don't know. It could be if it it hasn't been. But could you imagine not having music in games? Like, there would always be just a piece missing. It's funny that you mention that because I have had so many conversations. I know Caleb does this. I know a few others do this, too. Bear does this as well. Magnum. They, they like, listen to other music while they're playing video games. So they'll, like, turn off the in-game music. Caleb tells me he barely listens to in-game music. He just, like, throws wow. on Spotify. Yeah. The only game I've ever done that was No Man's Sky because I would listen to the Interstellar soundtrack. Which is, like, because I wanted to enhance the game, right? But, like, I've never played a game and wanted to listen to something else other than the game. Like, yeah, I've, I'm the same I've way. I've never wanted to do that. I don't even like listening. Like, some people throw on a podcast or something while they play video games. And, like, if anybody's listening to this while they're playing a video game, keep keep doing it. Keep listening to us. But I could never do that. Like, that's that's putting my head in too many different places. Do you ever do that, Matt? I have mixed feelings about it. When I stream... I'll play music in the background, but that's because yeah. I'm streaming a game like Overwatch where right. music in the background is like fun for me if it's like disco. There's or... also no music in Overwatch while you're playing it. Right. There's only like the hero theme and stuff like that. Right. Exactly. Um, but if I'm playing like 
Destiny and streaming, I usually won't put music on unless I'm in like Crucible or something or yeah. like the PvP. World of Warcraft, I usually don't put music on if I'm streaming that um, because the music in WoW is really good. Yeah, so it depends on the game. And usually in like a competitive shooter or something like that, I can put music in on the background. And sometimes it like actually increases how well I'm doing. Really? Um, oh, yeah, for sure. If I have music on and I'm playing Overwatch, I always am performing at a higher level. Look at this guy. Like, even during Quake Champions, like, Bear listens to other music. I have to shout out Quake Champions because I suck at the game, but the soundtrack's awesome. It just gets you hyped up. Gets you so hyped. Especially, and, uh, and I think that's a good example. Oh, it's way too of... loud. I actually hate that music. Oh, I no, I had, I, well, yeah, I turned I turn it, it down, of course, down. because like you're right. It's at, like, 30% right now for It's me. an outrageous volume but default. But that does a really good job, and I'm sure other games do this too, but this is just fresh in my head because I've been playing it so much. It does a good job at, like, the intensity of the music increases as the round gets closer to a close. Um, and so, like, that just at, that builds such tension and such intensity to, especially if it's, like, a really close match. But, yeah, in terms of, for me, what makes, like, good video game music, I think you guys sort of hit the nail on the head. I think it needs to make sense for what's happening in the game. So not only, like, the setting, but also, like, what's happening within that setting. So, like, I think of... And this is something we talked about in our like best villains episode way back, but the final boss of Dark Souls one, which is Gwyn, uh, he's like a sad old man. He's hyped up to be mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. this super powerful guy, and then when you finally face him, he's like withered and old. I mean, he still kicks your ass a couple times, but he's relatively easy in in the grand scheme of things. And the music is like really sad. Like the music is perfect for a sad old man trying to like have his last stand against like an invader and so it's like really intense and then the final boss of dark souls 3 which like from the lore you're led to believe that it is a piece of gwyn or it's also like the the sort of culmination of all the people you have fought in dark souls it's actually the same theme of it's the same like the song has the same like hook as the song playing during your fight with gwyn um, so it's this really cool callback, but they're both super appropriate for not only the setting, but what's happening within the setting, which is which is awesome, and I definitely appreciate it. So yeah, what are some of your favorite pieces of video game music? Let's start with Steve. For my favorites, uh, like I, I definitely have to stick with Journey as one of my favorites. Like I said, that's really just uh, it fits really well. But I guess some other ones too. Going back, I guess really early. Sonic the Hedgehog has a really good score. Like each level has its own unique the, like, song. One? Yeah, yeah. Um, totally. Particularly, particularly too, because I have a lot of a lot of playtime with Sonic Two. I spent a lot of time with that as a kid and as an adult. I've gone back to it multiple times, and like each stage has its own unique song that yeah. perfectly fits the mood of the stage. Like when you go to the casino and it's just like burr, burr, do, 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 do. like it just makes you feel like yeah. you're out in Vegas. Um, so I I thought that was really cool because it's it's doing so much with so little and obviously we've talked about this and Manny you've talked to, to Terry about this when you interviewed him for the Messenger how that intermingles the eight bit and sixteen bit soundtrack with that chip tune yeah. vibe and it it it's one of those like modern day perfect combinations where it flows seamlessly and it gives you that retro feel but with like a modern story and modern controls and honestly it looks fucking fantastic. So obviously, I mean, I feel like you're probably going to talk a little bit about the messenger. I feel like that you've been itching for that one, but that's that's a fantastic newer one. 
in terms of some of the ones that kind of stick out to me the most, like I think Uncharted has a lot of fun moments where yeah. it has like that booming score when you're kind of having those big action scenes. And I think that adds some weight to it because those are always very cinematic experiences for me. And I remember I was playing Uncharted 3 my senior year of college and Ben was watching me play it and he's like, wow, it's really exciting. Then I remember I went like a couple weeks later, I started playing Skyrim. He's like, you remember when you were playing Uncharted and like that was like super exciting to watch? He goes, this is not that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, it's but a, that's the thing is Uncharted. Environment yeah, and Uncharted evokes those emotions. And I think the music that they use really adds to it because it really makes it feel like you're playing a movie, which is a lot of fun. Right, right. For my all-time favorite, I want to give you guys a chance to guess what you think it might be. I'll give oh, you man. I'll give you a total of six guesses, so you can do three each or you okay. can just combine. But I, I, I want to see if you can maybe figure this out. Your favorite one? My favorite one of all time. Don't think like too deep on this because I feel like if I tell you, you're going to be like, uh, that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But at the same time, you might be able to figure it out if you know a little bit about my gaming history. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn. No, it's a good one, though. That's a good oh, okay. one. I thought I had that in the fucking bag. Think, uh, all right. How about this? <laughs> think think soundtrack more than score. Think oh, okay. Sound. That makes me think of like backyard baseball or some shit. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Oh, man. That's such a good that's one. A that was Superman, soundtrack. Goldfinger. That yep. game made me buy the Hang Ups album by Goldfinger, which is a great album, by the way. There you go. People should go check it out. A lot of good so, songs. Did I win? That's not <laughs> it. <laughs> um, GTA. It's one of those. Oh, no. Vice City. Vice City. Yeah. Dude, Vice City is so awesome. Yeah, because, like, that was – it was, like, a real soundtrack, and yep. it made you feel like you were driving around in 80s yeah. Miami. It was so much fun. And I just remember putting on V-Rock all the time, yep. and that lame-ass Laszlo as the DJ. You're yeah. such a nerd. Yeah. But the music was awesome. And it had – because they I think they had Love Fist was, like, the made-up band in the game. Yeah. And there was, like, that series of missions. <laughs> There was this series of missions where you had to, like, help them do shit. And I was like, yeah. why am I driving these that? fuckers around? There was one where, like, you had to drive the limo at a – it was like a – it was a speed oh situation. My... It was counter Dude, you it had was to drive such a pain You had ass. to drive it at a certain uh, speed, and if you slowed down, it would just blow up. It would just blow up, killing you in the band. Yeah, and so, like, the whole time you're driving around, their music is playing, but also they're diffusing the bomb, and they're like, you need to go faster! And you're like <laughs> – and you're like whipping around corners trying to like keep going, but like oh my God, oh, you won't ridiculous. know what this means, but you sound exactly like Magni Bronzebeard, who's <laughs> okay. a character from Wow. <laughs> when you do that accent, it sounds exactly like you could have just been like, you don't know what this means, but you sound like flim flam, shim flam, sham. <laughs> yeah, Vice like, City, best soundtrack. Yeah, Vice City is a really good soundtrack. Uh, Matt, what's one of your favorite pieces of video game music and why? So I have, I have to give you a couple, and then you're going to guess my favorite. Okay. And then right? when we Is guess it, Steve you're going to be like, it? none of them. I feel okay about all of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Music that I think is very good in these video games. World of Warcraft. Probably my first experience with very intense, well-crafted music in a video game. Well-crafted? From, from the launch screen screen the home page and that main theme with like booming drums and like you're just like fuck i'm about to go to war on this planet and then every expansion they've like iterated on that theme which is kind of cool and yeah. they change it for the theme of each expansion um which i like 
Uh, and then a lot of the environmental music in that game is very good as well. Adds a lot of atmosphere to the zones that you're in. I would also mention Elder Scrolls series. And I was probably a little too young to remember everything going on in Morrowind. So I do remember the main theme in Morrowind. But I'll give it to Oblivion, Skyrim. The uh, That teaser trailer with the choir singing that version of the main theme for Skyrim mm. where it's just panning over these like stone panels uh, depicting like dragons burning people and stuff. Yeah. That yeah. was just unbelievable. It was just so good. Uh, and then, you know, that becomes the main theme of Skyrim. Um, also good atmospheric music, especially in like taverns and like towns and stuff. They have like really great town music mm. uh, in Skyrim. Uh, I'd also give a little mention to the Elder Scrolls Online, which, you know, not as many people play, but also has really, really good music. Very location-centric, so definitely took, like, that inspiration from Skyrim and their other games. So, yeah, those are, I feel like people would, could probably just peg those on me without even having (laughs) listened to that. But, um, okay, yeah, my favorite music in a series go um in a series or a game i mean i feel like it just has is it any of the ones you just mentioned no is it mass effect no however that's one i didn't mention that i'll talk about (laughs) there we go mass effect does futuristic music so well and like games can fuck up what the what music of the future sounds like Mass Effect fucking just nails it on the head. They have, like, some cool boops and beeps and stuff in there, but it's not overdone. It's not, like, all techno weird shit. It's just, like, it's just like the right amount to make it seem like these epic pieces of music yeah. are, like, set in the future. It's very well done. Boops and bleeps and all sorts of sheeps. Jeez, I don't know. This is tough. We talked about it before. You mentioned it on like to, in, in this episode. We talked about we sang a little piece of. Oh, it. Halo. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. I think. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to be that transparent. Yeah, neither did I. <laughs> I thought you'd have some mystery to you. No, no mystery. I think Martin O'Donnell and Michael Salvatore, who are the co-composers, I'm pretty sure they're the co. They sound like the leader of the Irish mob and the leader of the Italian mob joining forces. <laughs> So, yeah, it's basically two guys Batman is trying to get out of Gotham. Like, all right. they, yeah, they are like, I think, responsible for, and Bungie, obviously, for like the rise of like heavily produced music in video games. And they're so good. I mean, they've both done music for, they did it, they did all the Halo music, they did the Destiny music. They've gone on to do like other things by themselves. Yeah. But soundtrack to Halo is just <laughs> One of them so... was in Third Eye Blind for a bit. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> They're just so... I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. They're just so good and created such good music um, that they deserve like a lot of credit for like large games that are produced by AAA studios that then have invested money in their soundtracks. Yeah. I think they're very... Um, responsible for that and they did just a fantastic job i mean you have the main theme of halo and then you have that one like dun, 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 dun. like when that music plays and you are fucking driving a warthog through an exploding yeah <laughs> region and you're like trying to get the fuck out of there right i don't think i've had like a blood 
pumping experience like that in a in a video game caught caught in a single player campaign. Yeah. Like Right, right. Just because of the atmosphere and the music behind it. Like the music causes you to like be like, Holy shit, I gotta get out of this place. Right. Yeah. Um it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's just incredible. Fun fact from Wikipedia, Halo two, best selling video game soundtrack of all time. That's almost not surprising, but that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So for me, I don't want to say it's my absolute favorite, but it's definitely amongst my favorites just because I recently played it. The Doom 2016 soundtrack is so fucking good. It's interesting because I'd never known anything about how video game music is made until I watched a little mini documentary with Danny O'Dwyer interviewing Mick Gordon, who's the guy behind a handful of Bethesda games, including uh, Wolfenstein. But they just interviewed him about his process and it was fascinating it was so cool i would recommend everybody watch it but basically daniel dwyer was like how do you go about making music for a video game that has existed for like 20 years like where do you how do you like just start making music and he's like well like he was talking about how he he didn't want to focus too much on the fact that it's such an established franchise because then it then that's where your focus is. It's like, oh, I have to pay the, I have to pay respect to this franchise. I need to make sure I get it right for the franchise. I need to make sure I do it justice. And then you lose like creativity. But he started because you know, the premise of Doom is like, you know, the Doom Slayer goes to hell and is essentially trying to close the gate between hell and earth. But he started by researching hell and like what hell means to different societies throughout history. Um, and being like, how, like, what are different versions of hell and different religions? How has hell been depicted in movies and media? Like, what does hell mean for like ancient people in in all these different continents? And so, like, he took this really holistic approach to like what hell means, and then used his research to sort of adapt to music. Um, and it's this really interesting style of like synth heavy sort of tech, almost cyberpunky, mixed with obvious like death metal. Uh, and like really intense like double kick drums and all that shit but yeah it has this like really high tension again almost uh, cyberpunk grunge to it it's like a digital grunge almost digital death metal almost Um, and it's just this really cool combination of like a bunch of different flavors that all make you as the player feel incredibly powerful Uh, and it does just like a tremendous job at evoking the right emotions and again going back to the concept of not only is that music great for the setting but it also fits exactly what's happening like sometimes the doom slayer is just running around hell shooting demons right with like horns and stuff and so that's like more of a that's like more of a traditional hell setting and then in the next level he goes into this uh uac sort of substation and he's fighting this giant mechanical spider with a brain on it right so like it like totally different kind of enemy and totally different kind of setting. So it was cool to see and hear the music adapt to those different kinds of environments, but also like still have the same elements to it, which is like really heavy guitar, really heavy drums. Um, so I think, I, th- I think that game just did a wonderful job with the soundtrack and I still listen to it. Like I beat it twice and I listen to it regularly uh, because it's just really good. And then of course, yeah, like the messenger was tremendous just because like, it came from a different time and it came from somebody who really knows music really well. Yeah. I think, I think that game just does a really good job at bringing the character and the players through so many wildly different stages. Like there's like an ice level, there's a water level, there's a lava level, there's an underground level. So like, and the music perfectly flows amongst 
all of those different stages really really well yeah i feel like chiptune soundtracks are always some of the best right like yeah i don't know if it's nostalgia or if it's just because they're just that fucking good yeah like when you hear like for me it's a lot of like sonic like when you hear that you just want to run around like i wish i could be (laughs) go collecting rings and shit you know but i can't yeah can't get rings (laughs) can't run fast enough gotta no rings um so that was our conversation around video game music if you have any favorites let us know give us a call 347-509-5620 we would love to hear from you or you can tweet at us at plus one player on twitter so let's keep the show going it's time for the part of the show where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke ladies and gentlemen this is patch notes for patch notes 10.18.18 steve why don't you go first i have from kotaku jason schreier the oracle Red Dead Redemption 2 developers speak out after Rockstar lifts social media ban. Last night, Red Dead Redemption developer Rockstar Games lifted its social media policies, telling employees they were no longer banned from speaking about their workplace experiences on Twitter and Facebook. The move has led to a number of current staff sharing mostly positive stories from their time at the massive game company. First off, this is one of the most rewarding and least stressful projects I've worked on, said Keith Thorburn, who works in the music department at Rockstar North in Edinburgh, Scotland. I know what Epic Crunch feels like, but this was managed in such a way that I felt happy and healthy. The social media lift comes in the wake of an industry conversation surrounding excessive overtime or crunch that followed Rockstar co-founder Dan Hauser's comment to New York Magazine saying we were ma- <coughs> saying we were working 100-hour work weeks in 2018. On Monday, Rockstar sent further comments to Kotaku attributed to Hauser, saying that he was referring to himself and his writing team for a three-week period and that we don't ask or expect anyone or to work anything like this. The comments have triggered a firestorm of controversy over the past few days as former Rockstar employees spoke up on Twitter about their own crunch experiences at the company with ex-Rockstar PR man Job. His name is Job. 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 It's a Job. (laughs) With ex-Rockstar PR man Job Stauffer writing that during the GTA 4 era, it was like working with a gun to your head seven days a week. And other observers criticized the company for its overtime practices. Stories about Rockstar have circulated in the video game industry for years, most notably in 2010 around the release of Red Dead Redemption. So typically Rockstar tells all of its employees to refrain from discussing work-related matters on social media, but last night the company's HR boss sent out an email to staff at several of the company's studios saying they acknowledged that some felt frustrated by the narrative that had circulated and saying that employees would now be allowed to speak up about their experiences with no need to sugarcoat anything in quotes. The move has <clears throat> the move has led current staff to share mostly positive things about their employer. So this obviously comes out from uh, Hauser's comments about the 100-hour work weeks. And crunch has been a topic of discussion for a long time now, especially in light of what happened at Telltale. And so obviously that sparked a lot of discussion. And I feel like if you talk to Hauser now, he'd probably be like, you know what? I should have worded that much better. And he definitely should have. Like the way I look at it is there's no need to force anyone to ever work a hundred hours. That's insane. It's absolutely insane. It's way too much of a work week for anybody. What I do like is that now in light of what has happened, they're pulling back the veil, so to speak. They're, they're giving us a sense of transparency. They're letting the employees speak out without fear of repercussion. And again, so they say like, no need to sugarcoat anything. I feel like them saying that it's probably pretty firm now that these employees have free will to speak out on what's going on without any fear of repercussion. So I hope that's the case. Of course, we'll see how things go in the coming months. But what this kind of sticks out to me as is just like, 
they're doing the right things after the fact. Obviously, we don't know the full story, and I feel like every employee will have different perspectives on their time at Rockstar. Like, you have a bunch of quotes of people saying, I didn't feel like I was pressured to work. I wanted to do this. I, I, I was passionate about these projects. It's like, sure, sometimes the hours were long. And I'm sure you'll find plenty of employees who are like, yeah, that sucked. Like, I, I would never do that again. And that's common with, I feel like, most game companies at this point um, until they kind of change their practices. I just like the fact that they're giving us the, I guess, the effort to be like, hey, let's be transparent about this. Let's let people actually talk about what their experiences like are at Rockstar because I'm sure they don't want these stories coming up from like 2010 because now they can be like, look, that was eight years ago. We're entirely different now. We learned our lessons from mistakes in the past. And I think this is one of those like steps as a way to show me, like, look, we're not who we were in 2010. We're not the same guys in 2008 when we're working on GTA 4. So hear what our employees have to say now and make your judgments from there. So it's a good step. It was definitely not the best comments uh, to just be like, yeah, we're all working 100-hour work weeks because that's going to be taken a myriad of ways. So I'm glad that they've kind of given us a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look, so to speak. I think regardless of what the actual situation is, like no one, especially the head of a studio, should be making comments like in a bragging way or should be saying, even not in a bragging way, like it should never be applauded. Like it should, it's not a good thing, no matter if they all agreed with it or not. Like 100 hours... 100 hour work week is insane like that's um that's like unhealthy for the other parts of your life as somebody who's working anywhere um so like regardless of like how he thought that would have been taken like he should have just kind of known better than to make that kind of comment especially given like the things that have happened at telltale and the stories that have come out of that and 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 their history and stuff so yeah i think it's it's just like a weird comment to be like hey, huge studio, massive game, has eyeballs on it all the time and is always going to be in the news and then like casually slip this conversation into an interview. I think it's a little bit silly, but yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. There's a lot of conversations around unionizing game developers um, and like using that as a catalyst for change. You know, I'm interested to see how that might change things. Um, I'm not sure if it will, but interesting conversation nonetheless. Yeah, I feel like that's a topic that we should probably speak on at some point on the podcast as like an actual topic because I think there's a lot of factors I think it's not only the developers and obviously the stockholders of companies and things like that but I think there's a lot of pressure that we as gamers put on these developers so they feel the need to you know work outrageous hours to try to get these products a certain to a certain standard and then get them out at a certain time so there's a lot of moving parts to it and I think there is a lot of room for change cool well Matt, what do you have for the news times? I have news from... This is... Oh my god! I didn't look at the author until right now! It's one of your favorites, Steven. Shibana? From GameSpot. No! Eddie McCooch! McCooch! <laughs> also, it's not Mackich. It's Mackich. Mackich. Oh. Did you hear him in an interview or something? No, they on on KFGD they read a lot of his articles. Oh, but they like they pronounce names wrong all the time. It's a dime a dozen with those guys. So it, you know what? It could be Makooch then. Let's stick with Makooch. It could be. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, anyway, we he... should actually invite him on the podcast. But look, oh man, God, mostly we so just funny. want you on because we today's, don't know how to say your name. Video game topic is uh, video game journalists' names. Let's start with Edward. I feel like if we if we propositioned it like that, we're like, look, man, we've been reading your articles as part of our news segment on our podcast, and we just can't figure out a name. I think it'd be awesome if you came on, and it, we could have a little fun with yeah. it. 
He'd either be really down with it or he'd be like, go fuck yourself. Right. Well, so he wrote an article called Why Fallout 76 Won't Release on Steam. And quote, one of 2018's biggest games, Fallout 76, won't be available on the world's largest PC platform, Steam. Instead, Bethesda is releasing the game on PC exclusively through its own Bethesda Net launcher. This move makes business sense as Bethesda won't have to pay Steam operator Valve its cut of sales. But the announcement shocked some fans as previous Fallout games like Fallout 4 and Fallout 3 launched on Steam. Uh, And then Pete Hines said that uh, the company, so Bethesda, wants to have a direct relationship with Fallout 76 due to the game's always online multiplayer focus. find this interesting because it also aligns with the global beta release of the Discord store, which is discord's game store that is in direct competition now with steams even though it's you know it's in beta and it functions basically the same way steam does it looks slightly different it's a little more user-friendly um there's no reviews right now but i imagine they'd implement that at some point and there is both like a subscription aspect to it or that gives you like access to all these certain games uh or you can just buy per game but I think it's just a trend of a large developer saying we have our own launcher. You can buy our game through that, play it. It's not like they need to launch on Steam. They don't. People that want to play Fallout 76 are going to download their launcher, you know. Right. Steam does give access to a lot of people very quickly that already have Steam. Uh, but it's not like a technology that they have trademark over or that's like impossible to build i imagine it's actually quite easy to build a platform like that which is why someone like discord has done it and why other large studios like epic um have have their own games launchers because they don't need steam and i'm all for it i'm so fed up with valve i'm so fed up with steam i think steam's a terrible service you can check out my article on it on our (laughs) website (laughs) plus one the number i don't know com slash read yeah um so yeah i think that is totally fine for bethesda to make that call for sure i'm excited to play fallout 76 via the bethesda net game launcher and not via steam does that mean you're gonna get fallout 76 yeah probably interesting but i'm gonna wait for toots review yeah the official richard review nice um my piece of news is coming from Polygon, and it is about Pokemon Let's Go, which I'd like to remind all of our listeners comes out in less than a month. Get hyped about it. Uh, this is coming from Allegra Frank, and the headline of this article is Pokemon Let's Go pits you against master trainers in the post game. Uh, as director Junichi Masuda teased us for weeks, Pokemon Let's Go will introduce a unique challenge during its post games. Uh, scattered throughout the world of Kanto are expert trainers, each one the master of a specific Pokemon. Your task? Challenge them all. All 151 of them. They're called Master Trainers, and they'll only battle you once you've bested the Elite Four and take down the Pokemon League. With your champion belt in hand, you can go through the Kanto region once again to find these characters. Uh, to find these characters, They're designated by a thought bubble above their heads, showcasing their favorite Pokemon. The favorite Pokemon also happens to be the only one on their team, as well as the only one they're willing to square off against. Uh, so if you want to take on the Charmander Master you better have a Charmander of your own on hand. So basically, 
the way it works is you go through the Kanto region and you find all these different master trainers and you only have one Pokemon that you can fight against them with and it is the same Pokemon that they are fighting against you with. There's also no items. You can't use any items, no revives, no health potions, nothing. It's just a one-on-one battle and that's it. That's an intense-ass postgame. For a Pokemon game, that's, like, really intense. Well, it's about time because, like, when you finish Pokemon Yellow, there's, like, nothing to do. Like, you just walk around. So, no, I'm looking forward to this just because I feel like it's going to be easy to have most of these Pokemon because if it's going to be a remake of Yellow, don't they? Like, you can get all of them. Like, you get Squirtle, you get Charmander, you get all of them at some point. So Yeah, the difficult thing, I think, will be finding all of them and, like, training them up to a point where you feel comfortable going against... A, going into a one-on-one battle against a master trainer you know what i mean we'll we'll see how much staying power pokemon let's yeah. go has you'll also need to like stockpile unevolved versions of pokemon you know what i mean like if you're gonna if you're gonna continually train your charmander you can't evolve him. you got to make him a super strong charmander but then you also need to have a a charmeleon and a charizard yeah no no uh the it's gonna be tough it is gonna be quite the quandary there's gonna be like a lot of trading of pokemon can you trade online can we trade with I friends online? So, yeah. How else can you trade? There's no... Oh, no, that's going to make people like do more Pokemon Go shit. Because then you're like, oh, I can just go get Pokemon Go and get Pokemon and then move them into this game. That's fine. Yeah, it eats my battery, though. Oh, God, it eats the battery. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad. Well, then play so more Pokemon bad. Let's Go. I'm going to walk into traffic trying to catch like a fucking Squirtle. Well, I also got the, the Pokeball Plus, which I'm fucking so excited for um i'm looking forward to it it's gonna be i i actually still uh, i still need to finish messenger i hate myself that i haven't finished that yet but but i i'm, I'm really looking forward to pokemon because sure. that's gonna be that's gonna be fun to play on the handheld it's gonna be a lot of nostalgia oh, yeah. there. especially with the music is like updated music from the original yeah. and the world oh, i'm so excited it'll be fun it's gonna be awesome well folks that was patch notes where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke before we close out the episode, we do have a voicemail we want to play. So we actually recorded this on the last... We actually included this voicemail on the last episode, but I had to cut it in editing because it didn't fit. We were short on time. So um, we're going to play it again. It is from our friend Dexter. So let's give it a listen and see what Dexter has to say. Hello, everybody. I just wanted to say happy anniversary, guys. And I wanted to bring up Aww. a topic. Uh, when is video gaming a disorder or, you know, an addiction? I just wanted you guys' thoughts on this. Uh, I think <laughs> I think I could pretty much say I'm addicted at this point. Um, not not sure if you guys agree or disagree. I would like your uh, your full disclosure on that. Uh, anyways, this is Dexter. And it's been great listening to the podcast uh, every day at work. And uh, just got to say, love you guys. Uh, Happy birthday, anniversary, all that stuff. Have a great day. Thank you so much for the the well wishes. Yeah, thanks for the love, dude. We love you too. Thanks for being part of our community. So, yeah, really interesting question. And I think it's always going to be in the conversation about video games. But I think the conclusion that we came to last time was that when video gaming starts to get in the way of the other parts of your life, whether it's work or your relationships or your rent or your or anything you have going on, any of the things you need to take care of, then that's when it becomes a problem. That's when it becomes an addiction or a disorder. Um, I will say we're we're not fucking qualified to like really give an answer to this. We're just telling you what we think. So if there's anybody that is qualified, 
which I'm sure there's probably a couple of folks that listen to this podcast that probably are qualified. Give us a call and leave us a voicemail, um, 347-509-5620. What do you guys think? Uh, Matt, what about you? Well, if you think you have an addiction that is unhealthy, then you should consult your primary care physician who then can recommend you a therapist to talk to. That would be my first piece of advice. My second is that I actually went cold turkey on WoW in high school because I was playing wow. it so much. Damn! One summer, I was just like, I have to stop playing this game. What was just went, like? I what was stopped. the trigger for that? Like what? I was playing it every single day in the summer, which is like, yeah, summer on Long Island is beautiful. I should be outside hanging out with Matt O'Neill. So were you like saying no? I can't hang out, or no, I don't want to hang out with friends and going. I wasn't saying like, yeah, it wasn't like that. It was just like. I'd wake up, first thing I would do is, like, start playing WoW. Yeah. And then, like, instead of, like, initiating things or something like that, I would just, like, keep playing WoW. And so one day, yeah, I was just, like, not going to play this anymore. And I didn't. Good for you for, for like, being a high schooler who had the self-control to go go cold turkey. Yeah, I don't know if I have that same sense of control now. No, I do. (laughs) I don't play video games nearly as much as I used to just because I don't have the time. But (laughs) uh, I I sure fucking would, though. (laughs) No, I think um, because there were like moments when I lived in Austin and I was alone and I noticed I'm playing too many video games alone, meaning that I moved there alone, right, to a new city. I was Um, alone because I didn't talk to anybody. No, which like can happen when you like move somewhere for the first time and you don't know anyone. Like there's ways to meet people, but you have to go out and do it. You can't sit on the computer. Um, So yeah, I think you just have to be very aware of how much time you're spending. Yeah on it you know yeah which is hard to do it is hard to do and it's hard to notice because next thing you know you know you get headaches all the time or you don't sleep well or like your health especially when it affects your health like if, it, if it's mm-hmm. affecting the way you sleep or the way you eat or your exercise or you know if it if it isn't negatively impacting you and your health and well-being then that's a should be a red flag for sure the golden mean aristotle okay yeah Everything in, in balance. You gotta Sometimes do everything it on in balance. Mass. Everything in moderation. Even moderation. You know? That's the golden meme. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Again, if there's anybody that knows better than us or has, like, clinical or medical knowledge, give us a call because we would love to hear from you. So, folks, that was episode 51 of the Plus One Player Podcast. Again, thank you guys so much for supporting us up to this point. And, and I hope that you continue to be, hang out with us. I hope that you continue to join us on this journey. We're really excited for this new chapter. Plus one player is going to be a lot of fun to build and continue growing. Our community is super strong and uh, we're just here to have a good time. Again, we only exist to bring people together in the celebration of video games. So let's keep doing that and let's make it the very best goddamn celebration we can possibly have. So if you're down to celebrate, then find us on whatever podcast platform you use, whether it's Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, uh, the Google one, and all the others that exist. Find us and let us know how we're doing. And if you enjoy our content and if you want to help us keep growing in this awesome, awesome direction, head to patreon.com slash plus one player and help us. Throw us a buck or two. It'll go right back into the show and it'll help us grow and become the very best podcast we can possibly be. And we would appreciate it very, very much. Thank you so much for listening to episode 51 of the Plus One Player podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it for you. 
Let's keep this celebration going. And as always, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you. And we will talk to you very soon. I don't even have a brain anymore. If I only had a brain. Those are the words. That's it.